in the foolish over and over and over. We see that here is an obvious contrast to a man that's blessed by God, and that is the ungodly man. The ungodly man. The ungodly are not so. Not so what? Blessed. Why? Because they refuse God. They refuse to let God be God. And so Psalm 2, verses 1 through 3, just kind of continues that contrast that Psalm 1, verses 4 through 6 gives to us. And so let me tell you a little bit about this psalm. First of all, uh, Psalm 2 is a prophetic psalm. There are all types of different psalms. Uh, this one is a prophetic psalm. It particularly points to the time when Jesus Christ returns to rule and reign. And so I want you to hold your spot here, and I want you to go to Revelation chapter 19, because this is where we see what is called the return of Christ. We know those of us uh, that know our Bibles, we, we believe that uh, here at our church, we believe that the return of Christ breaks into two phases. There is the rapture of the church, that is the calling away of God, of His people, taking them up, amen, and uh, then returning with them. And, and really, the rapture is God coming for us, the return of Christ or the revelation is God coming with us, amen. And in chapter 19 of Revelation, this is the with us part. And it says there in verse uh, chapter 19, verse 11, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. We talked about that this morning, amen. And his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, John 1, 1 and 14 tells us there. And then it says in verse 14, The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's ours, that's us, amen. I don't really like horses, but I'll ride one that day. Hallelujah, amen. Uh, and it says, and here's, Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Listen to me. When he came the first time, he came as a babe in a manger. He came to die on the cross. He came to ask people to accept him as Savior. When he returns, he is not going to come and ask anymore. He is going to come to rule and reign. He is going to set his enemies at naught. That is what this psalm is talking about. It's talking about that period. Hold your place there in Revelation. We're coming back to it. Go back, go back to Psalm 2 though. Uh, psalm 2 is particularly mentioned twice in the New Testament. And I'd like to go there if we could. Uh, look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Very interesting uh, that this particular psalm is, is called out by name referenced. It's actually called out by number in a different passage we're going to look at here in just a moment. But Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, 
If you look at verse number 23, please, remember uh, this is the story of they had, uh, Peter and James had healed the man by the temple uh, who had begged and, and remember his ankle bones were made strong and he went into the temple walking and leaping and praising God like you would have if you were a, a leper or, or cleansed of, of a sickness, amen, like this man was. And remember it was this great miracle and then they imprisoned them and they commanded them to be beaten. And they commanded them not to preach in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ anymore. Verse 23, it says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them is, who by the mouth of Thy servant David hath said... Why did the heathen rage? That's Psalm 2 verse 1. Isn't it? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles... And the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and all thy counsel determined before to be done. And so uh, we see a a partial fulfillment here in, in the New Testament. Now go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And again, this second psalm, a little later in, in verse, is referenced here. And it says there in verse number, uh, let's see here, look with me, verse number 30 uh, of Acts chapter 13. This is a great passage of Scripture, by the way, up to verse 39. Uh, We're not read all that, but it says there, But God hath raised him from the dead, speaking of Jesus here, after he was crucified. Verse 29 said, They took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you the glad tidings, how that the promise which was made to our fathers, verse 33, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it also as it also is written in the what? Isn't that interesting? It actually gives the number. The second Psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And of course, we see that, that's in verse 7 of Psalm uh, chapter 2. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, This, thou art my son, this day have I begotten. He's talking about the resurrection there. So, very interesting uh, there. This psalm is referenced twice. It's a, it's a prophetic psalm. So let's, let's dive into Psalm chapter 2 tonight if we could. <clears throat> let's look first of all at the defiance of the heathen, verses 1 through 3. The defiance of the heathen. It says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords uh, from us. Let let me first say, uh, it's kind of that that old uh, adage, the what, when, why, how, amen, looking at this. When? When did the heathen rage? I'll tell you when the heathen rage. The heathen have raged since Satan, Lucifer, fell 
in heaven, amen, came to the earth, and we looked at this morning how uh, the, the devil deceived Adam and Eve, amen, and uh, they, they fell, and then Cain slew Abel, and I'm going to tell you something, the heathen have been raging ever since, amen. It's a perpetual rage uh, that they have, so the when is, is constantly, amen. How about the what, what are the heathen raging about? I mean, Pastor, you mentioned this morning about it, and you could certainly go for all time, but if we're looking at our time now, and we look at what the heathen are raging about. Can I, can I break it down for you with this psalm? Number one, they're raging about God's rule. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. God doesn't ask permission. God rules in His authority. Forgive me, I don't care what man says, and God doesn't care what man says. He, he, does, he rules and reigns, and you, by the way, you better thank God He does, because the planets are spinning and keeping in orbit, and He's keeping it all together, and your body, uh, which if He stopped with gravity right now, would all just drop and uh, everything. He rules and reigns the universe by Himself, without anybody's help, without anybody's permission. You remember when Job, listen, and Job went through a lot. When I read the book of Job, and I read, you know, I read all that he went through. He, he, he lost, his, he lost his, his livelihood. He lost his livestock. He lost the lives of his children. He lost his health. He lost his wife's respect. And then, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, his three friends showed up. And have you ever heard the term, with friends like that, who needs enemies? And listen, initially, they were a blessing. You know when they were a blessing? When they were there for seven days and didn't say one word. That's when they were a blessing. But Brother Hutchins, then they spoke and weren't so much of a blessing. He said, listen, there's a reason this has got to be happening to you. You've got to have hidden sin in your life. We know God doesn't do anything. And, and they went on, and, and forgive me, Job, Job got like we all would have. When you read Job, there's so much humanity in it. He says, God, you know, what have I done? And you, I tell you what, you want to read something? You read Job 38, 39, 40, and 41. And here's what you'll find. God asks Job 82 straight rhetorical questions. Just letting Job know that God is God and Job ain't. Hey, where were you when I set the bounds of the ocean? I don't recall checking with you. You listen, listen to me. God is God. He rules and reigns. He rules and, and listen, the defiance of the heathen, what are, they, what are they raging? They're raging about God's rule. You know what else they're raging about? His righteousness. His righteousness. It says there in verse number 2, uh, the kings of the earth set themselves together and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against His anointed. I've learned this through the years. I have no righteousness in myself. I have none. What I have is through Jesus Christ and through that I try to live a righteous life and I've also learned that people in the world hate me because I try to live a righteous life. You're holier than now. You're this. You're that. That's you can believe that if you want to. Me and God know the truth about that. But there is something so convicting about the righteous among the wicked. I always think of the three Hebrews. The three Hebrews. Did you ever, did you ever stub your toe? I have the greatest toe stubbing story of all time. 
My wife's not here. She'd be laughing her head off. She came in one time, we were living in Connecticut, and we had this, this really high, lush grass, and then there was a concrete walkway in between that lush grass. And she came to me, Mrs. Sammons, and she said, oh, 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 I stubbed my toe. I stubbed my toe. I said, how'd you stub your toe? She said, well, I was walking in the grass. It's so thick and lush, but I, I came right up against that cement slab, and I said, who does that? Yeah, about a week later, I was out there in the lush grass, and I, oh, I, oh, oh, ah, ah, I came in, I came in, so, oh, oh, my poor tootsies, my poor tootsies, amen, my toe. My wife says, what happened? I said, I was out in the grass, and I stubbed my toe on the cement. She said, who does that? <laughs> I said, quiet, woman. No, I didn't. <laughs> you know what, let me tell you something. In, he, in, in Daniel chapter 3, when everybody started bowing when the music played, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego look like three stub toes sticking up. Righteous. Righteous. I'm going to tell you the heathen rage against righteousness. You know why? Unrighteousness. God's rule, God's righteousness, God's resolutions. God's resolutions. What does that mean? The things that God has decreed. Can, can I preach about one a little bit tonight? Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let me tell you something, the lost world hates that verse. They, and you know what they so they'll, 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 uh, they'll disregard it. They'll, 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 well, you know, that, who cares? That book's not going to rule me. You're exactly right. That's, that's it. That's it. It's, it's his resolutions, the fact that God had, listen, God ordained marriage between a man and a woman. God did that. God did, I, I don't care what anybody thinks of me for believing that. God is the one who said it. God is the one who set it up, and the heathen hate it. They hate it. Absolutely hate it. They talk about uh, it's, it's this wicked right wing and all that. And again, I, I try not to get overly political, but their battle is against God Almighty who decreed it. One day God's going to set it all straight. This is what I said. Thank God. Listen, thank God for preachers who will stand up and say, This is what God says. Uh, again, this is an easy place to preach. I, I think of other places where it's not so easy to preach, but you still got to say, listen, I'll take my chances with what God said. This is what He said. Amen. And so God's resolution. How about this? And this one, so I was so thinking about it as I was doing devotional for my boys. Uh, not only do they rage against God's rule and God's righteousness and God's resolutions, you know what they really rage against? God's repercussions. See, again, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. That, that's, we, we know that, hey, that's God's decree, that's, that's God's resolution, but what's the repercussion? What whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. You know, the, the devotion I was doing for my boys was in Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. You know, there's a particular type of sin that has been so coddled in the media in the last few years and, and, and gotten to the point where acceptance isn't even enough. It's celebration that is required. Can I tell you something about that, that particular sin? I think we all know what I'm talking about. 
The way of transgressors is hard. You go against God, you go against God's design for the human body, and it's always going to be hard. I don't care what any shrink tells you. I don't care what any psycho babble tells you. It's always going to be hard because God set it up that way. God said it's supposed to be. Uh, people talk about, oh, you know, this, this particular, uh, you know, adultery is not so bad. And all. It's always going to be hard. It's always going to be hard. Sexual sin is just always going to be hard because God decreed it that way. He's the one that set up the consequences. He's the one that set up the repercussions. Listen, we love Brother Hicks. Amen. Love Brother Hicks. Thank God for what he does. You know what? He deals with people all the time. He deals with people who have absolutely wrecked their lives. And you know what? The way of transgressors is hard. It's hard. Young people, if you learn anything, learn this. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and the way of transgressors is hard. Sin always leaves a scar. Always. So what do they rage about? They rage about God's rule and God's righteousness and God's resolutions and God's repercussions. Look at verse number 3. Let us break their bands asunder. And cast their cords from us. What is that? That's God's restraints. God's, God's restraints. You know, when my kids were little, we lived over on West Washington. We had a small yard, a little quarter acre. And uh, then we had the sidewalk and then a little bit of grass and then the road was right there. And Brother Sprague, we told our boys when they were little, do not go past the sidewalk. You know what, in essence, we told them? No. You know why? Because we're just mean. We're just a bunch of awful parents. No. I didn't want them to get hit by a truck. So anytime they even got close and I happened to be outside and they were playing ball or whatever, they got close, they go, ah! And they get real close. I'll, I, I would say this, I'll go get the ball. Ball went in the street, I'll go get the ball. Because you know what? I wanted them to have that holy fear of God every time they got close. It's like a shock collar, amen? They get close and yeek, amen? Why? Listen to me, God says no to some things. Right. And the heathen can't stand it. Hate it. And I'll tell you why more than anything else. They, listen, they rage against God's rule and His righteousness and His resolutions and His repercussions and His restraint. You know really why they rage against God's reign? You know what they say, just like the Pharisees did in Luke chapter 19, uh, verse, remember when Jesus was given that parable, Luke chapter 19, verse 14, a, a, about the, the, the householder, and they said, we will not have this man to reign over us. And you remember when the Pharisees said that, when Jesus was being crucified? They said, we have no king but Caesar. It's amazing how the raging heathen of the world always appealing to Caesar you know why? I'm going to tell you why. They hate the God of this book. They'll never say it. Well, they'll say it one day <laughs> when the knee bows. 
But they, listen, they rage against God's reign. They rage. So the, the what are they raging about? The, 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 the when are they raging? How about the how are they raging? Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. How is, how is this accomplished? It says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? I want you to hold your place there and go over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 tells us three different times about... And by the way, it's so interesting to look at this particular psalm because you look at Psalm 1 and you look at the imagination of the godly and what is his imagination? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate or think about or cast his imagination upon day and night. But the ungodly, the heathen here, If you look at verse number 24 of Romans chapter 1, and it it really goes all the way back to verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections. It goes on there. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. This defiance, this this raging of the heathen, it's rooted in their vain imagination. And that is this, they knew who God was and they said, we don't want you. God said, okay, have it your way. That's a scary thing, ladies and gentlemen. That is a scary thing. Why do the heathen rage? That's really the question in Psalm chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage? Can I say this? It's a matter of parentage. It's a matter of parentage. Do you mean the individual parents? No, I'm going all the way back to what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Year of your father, the devil. And the works of the devil, the works of your father, will ye do? And again, going all the way back to Isaiah chapter 14, remember how Lucifer fell. He said, I am going to replace God. And God said, no, you're not. And the heathen have been trying to replace God ever since. The raging heathen. So the, we see there uh, the defiance uh, of the heathen. The defiance of the heathen. Then notice with me the derision of the father. The derision of the Father. It says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. You know, it's interesting. God gave us a sense of humor. And by the way, I believe there are some humorous incidents in the Bible. Well, I, think, I think probably one of the funniest things in the Bible is the sons of Sceva, the, the exorcist. And, and that, that person who's following Paul around, and he, he, he says to this demon-possessed man, uh, he says, uh, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And that demon-possessed man jumps on him and tears off all his clothes, and he runs away naked and bleeding. And I think to myself, listen, if I was there, I'd have had to thought that was pretty funny. Right? And remember what, the, remember what the demon said? He said, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? I never heard of you before. It's, just, it's a funny incident. I think about the incident when uh, the false prophets uh, of Baal, 
We're trying to call down Baal. And forgive me, Elijah's sitting up there. If you don't think uh, that humor has sarcasm to it, you never read Exodus or, or, or 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah goes, hey, where's your God at? Is he taking a journey? Oh, maybe he's out to lunch. Did he leave a sign up? I mean, you know, that's funny. Amen? But I want to tell you something. The times in the Bible where it says God laughs, it's not funny. It's, it's not a ha 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 laugh, it's a ha ha laugh. And you want to know what this is referring to? I told you, hold your place here in Revelation. Go to Revelation 20. Verse 7. The end of the millennial reign of Christ when Jesus for a thousand years has been ruling and reigning on earth. Now think about that. Think about how incredible that's going to be for those of us in glorified bodies. But there's going to be a whole bunch born during the millennium. And here's something, it just all, every time I read this, Brother Jim, it just blows me away. I think even with Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on earth, there will be a whole bunch of lost people that don't want to have anything to do with Him. And it says in verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And here's where God... <laughs> And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Not much of a battle. Amen? God shall have them in derision. We see the laughter of God. We see the voice of God back there in Psalm uh, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, and in verse number 5, it said, Then he shall speak unto them in his wrath. I can't imagine the fear that is going to grip the, the heathen that reject Christ, that, that forsake God. I can't imagine the, the fear that is going to grab them when God speaks to them in His wrath. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm thankful all, all the wrath for me was poured out on Jesus. When I hear His voice, it won't be as judge, it will be as Savior. And I hope to hear well done. Thou good and faithful sir. I might not hear it, but I know I won't hear His wrath. It's already been poured out. The laughter of God, the voice of God, the judgment of God. It says, He shall vex them in His sore displeasure. Why? They rejected salvation. The derision. The derision of God. The defiance of the heathen. How about this? The declaration of the Son says there in verse 7, we see, uh, I will declare the decree, the Lord has said, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee. Oh, it's talking about the divine purpose of the resurrection there. Whew. The, the first begotten of the dead, Revelation calls Jesus. Amen. But it also talks about in verse 8, He says, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. That also not only divine purpose, but devastating punishment. You know, there are people called universalists who believe everybody's going to be saved because Jesus died for everybody. 
You know, the, the, the Bible, he did die for everybody, but everybody's not going to be saved. It says it in 1 Timothy 4.10, that he's the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe. Meaning, he has enough blood that was shed to save all. But only those that believe will be saved. Those that won't, and those that have willingly rejected Christ, will be judged. And this is exactly what happens here. Devastating point. And then there's a distant... Distant possession. It says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. We read that in Revelation 19. Thou shalt dash them in pieces as a potter's vessel. And that is simply the righteous rule of Christ. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ will be victorious. It's a fact. So, there's the defiance of the heathen. There's the derision of God. There's the declaration of the Son. And then there's the decision of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. And it's interesting to see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit here. Verses 10 through 12. Look at it with me. And he calls us to some things. Obviously, he says kings and judges of the earth. But he says, he says first of all, he says, be wise. And I refer to that as the decision of stability. The decision of stability. Be wise. You know, again, I've mentioned so many times this devotional series I've been doing for my boys. And over and over and over, I come to this phrase I find at the end of these devotions, Brother Lolly, and I'll say to my boys, choose wisely. Here's this, here's this, here's the consequences for both. Now choose wisely. You know, this idea of be wise. Stability. Wisdom brings stability. But not only stability there, but we also see in verse 10, we see submission. It says, be instructed, ye judges. Proverbs 19, verse 20 tells us, receive instruction. You know this, again, I try to teach my boys this and those that are under my sphere of influence to say this. Listen, be teachable. Be teachable. You know, a know-it-all, you can't tell them anything, Brother Jack. You can't tell them anything because they're know-it-all. But this idea of being in submission says, listen, I can learn from you. I can, by the way, again, being teachable, you can learn from the bad things that other people do. Right. At least you should. You don't have to step in front of a truck to learn a truck will kill you. There's stories of it all the time. I remember, listen, like it was yesterday, uh, and it's been 35 years, I, I remember going and getting my first first real job. I worked at a place called Hamilton Standard, and uh, I was an apprentice there and worked in all these different areas, machining and uh, shot peening and heat treating and plating. It was really an interesting job, and I'll never forget meeting this man named Chet Starziak. He's got to be gone now. He was old then, uh, and that was 35 years ago. And uh, I walked up to Chet, and Chet introduced himself. And I looked at Chet, Brother Merrill, and he was, yeah, amen, hallelujah. And so we got to talking, and I was just kind of working alongside him. I said, hey, how'd you get that? And he said, ugh. And he talked about how he was working on a grinder, and it was filling up with chips, Brother Hutchins, and he took a rag while it was running. And, and, Took his finger right off. Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not that smart and I'm not that mechanical, but I made a mental note right there. Don't do that. You know, I could have just said, hey, who are you? 
I'm an apprentice. But I think an apprentice means learner. Listen, be, be willing to be taught. You know, there's a lot of wise people out there. Wisdom comes with experience. There's a lot of wise people that can help you young people navigate through some things, and you may not have to make the same mistakes that others have made. So, this idea of this decision, the Holy Spirit calls us to stability, He calls us to submission. You know what? In verse number, uh, uh, verse number 11, He calls us to service, doesn't He? Serve the Lord with what? God's to be feared. God's to be feared. He's, he's not, listen, He's not the man upstairs. He's not the old man up in the sky. He's not some smiling, winking deity. He's God Almighty who created everything by the word of His power and holds our very breath and life in His hand. He's to be served, but with fear. Dads, I think all of us that are dads get the idea of fear in the fact that we feared our dad. We feared our dad. It wasn't a... It was a, a reverence. It was an awe. I remember, I remember a time where my dad made it very clear that he was my dad and not my buddy. I was a teenager, cocky like every teenager is, amen. And I got in the habit, I was calling, I was calling my dad chief. And I'm telling you, my dad looked at me, he said, I'm your dad. Don't call me chief. I said, yes, sir. You know why? Fear. Fear. I knew, I knew what my dad could do. I, I, knew, I knew who he was, amen. He was my dad. Listen, this is our Heavenly Father. So much more. You read Hebrews chapter 12, and you can read about how we had fathers in the flesh and we gave them reverence. How much more shall we give to Him, the Father of lights, amen? So that idea of serving, serving the Lord. Serving, and, and like what it says there in, in, in verse 9, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice. With trembling. Hey, I'm His. I am His child. Amen? But then also it really kind of culminates with not only stability and submission and service, but really salvation. That's the idea here of kiss the Son lest He be angry and ye perish from the way. The idea is being reconciled to God there. And that happens when we trust Christ as our Savior. When we realize that we're a sinner and God loved us enough to send His Son to die on the cross. So let me give you a few applications and we'll be done. Just five here. Uh, number one, do not be shocked that the heathen rage. Do not be shocked that the heathen rage. God wrote this psalm a long time ago. Amen? And it's been happening, it's been happening, happened there in Jesus' day with the rulers and the, the council there with Pilate and with Herod and all that. And it's going to happen until Jesus returns. By the way, it's going to get very bad in the tribulation. Lord willing, we'll be gone. Amen. If you're still here, feel free to conduct the services. Amen. Because the rest of us are heading out. So do not be shocked that the heathen rage. Number two, remember why the heathen rage. If a heathen gets mad at you, for living for God, for trying to do the right things, remember this, they are not mad at you. They are not mad at you. Remember what Jesus said to His disciples? You come to a house and they don't receive you. He said, you're to go out and shake the dust off your feet and to know it's not you that they're not receiving, it's me. Jesus, people talk about Jesus the great uniter. That's not biblical. Jesus was the great divider. He said, I've come to set a man at variance against his own household 
And he talked about brother against brother and mother against father and all that. So listen, remember why the heathen rage. How about this, number three? Rest in God's judgment. He will get it right. Now this is so anti-us. When somebody wrongs me, when somebody wrongs one of my kids, we want righteous justice right away. Don't we? Come on now, be honest. Listen, I'm reading a book right now. It is, it is just tough to plow through. It's called Hitler's Hangman. It's about a man named Reinhard Heydrich. He was the butcher of Prague. He was the, the highest ranking Nazi official to be assassinated during World War II. The Czech resistance assassinated him. Got him on the way to work one day. And to read what that man did to the Czechs, to the Poles, to the Slavs, is just, it's all I can take. Not, but you know what? Listen to me. God is going to give righteous judgment in the end. I, I need to worry more about Richard Zavodsky than I do about Reinhard Heydrich. Listen, that, that person that's wronged you, that, that, that heathen that's raging against you, God will take care of it. You know what? They might even trust Christ. Huh? Wouldn't that be something? So don't, don't take judgment in your own hands. Rest in God's judgment. He gets it right. Uh, and, and number four, we learn here, be wise, be instructed, be serving, be reconciled. But then number five, and we, we kind of missed this because it's right at the end. It said, going back to that little word, blessed. Right? Blessed. Blessed are they that put their trust in Him. Remember, you're among the blessed. Why? Because you placed your faith and trust in Him. I, I love the story of when Jesus appears to His disciples after His resurrection, and then, of course, Thomas wasn't there. Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, he missed the first Sunday night service after the resurrection. Amen. <laughs> And then the next week he comes and Miss Robin, they, they say to him, hey, we saw Jesus. And he said, ah, unless I see the prince in his hands and the, the wound in his side, I'll not believe. And then Jesus literally shows up. I love it. The walls, the doors being shut. He shows up and he says, peace be still. And then he walks right up to Thomas, Brother Merklinger, and he says, go ahead. Go ahead, put, put your fingers in if, if you need to. And go, put your hand in your side. He said, be not faithless, but believe. And of course, Thomas falls down. He says, my Lord and my, my God. And then Jesus makes this statement. I love this statement. Always encourages me. John 20, 29. He says, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed are they who have not seen and have yet believed. That's you. You've never seen Jesus. I've never seen Jesus. Never have. Will one day. But you know what? It says, blessed are they that put their trust in Him. Remember, even while the heathen are raging, you're among the blessed. You're among the blessed. We, we'll sing the song as we close tonight. It's 562. I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. Father, bless.